Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Synesthesia. I am Enrico and today I'm really excited because after 10 episodes we are back from where we started. In fact, we are tuned in with New York City to chat to Danny Miller, Creative Director at High Tide New York. High Tide is a creative agency that besides their traditional core branding and design work shows a strong passion for music. In fact, it's been three years since they've created High Tide Sound System, a series of Spotify playlists that feature great tunes, of course, but most importantly, and that's why we contacted him, super tasty and very well curated covers by some of the freshest illustrators and designers from all over the world. Of course, before talking about this project, we need to meet our guest. Hi, Danny, are you with us? Uh, Yes, hi, Enrico. Thanks a lot for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I am probably wrong because I said that you are tuning in from New York City, but you just told me that you left the city because of the pandemic. Yes, that is correct. I'm currently in upstate New York, so about two hours north of the city, and I've been here since March. I was commuting back and forth. Um, Our office was in Brooklyn, and uh, we've since had to close up and I've just, we've just been remote and, and adapting to the, to the remote life for the time being, but hopeful that we will be back under one roof in an office in the city uh, again soon. I miss being under one roof with, with my team and um, sort of like the, the immediate collaboration that that gives, but I think being here, like more closer to nature, uh, being with my family, I think that's inspiring in a lot of ways. So it's, it's a different kind of inspiration. So you launched uh, High Tide in 2008, and uh, I would love to hear more about your background. So before High Tide, mostly your inspirations, uh, your cultural background. What did you listen to? What kind of cultural products uh, did you consume when you were a teenager? I think my father was like a huge influence growing up. He was a painter and he had great taste in music. So. I I think that was really like a starting point for me. He was really into James Brown and the Rolling Stones and Prince. So that was sort of the beginning of like my musical exploration. And then I also, in high school, you know, my friends, I had had friends that were really into jazz and, and funk and soul. So that was like a period. And then when I got a little bit older, hip hop was really just in New York, like just very important. And so I, I got really deep into hip hop. Were you a teenager in New York City in the 90s? Yeah. So I would say in the 80s and 90s, but I, I really came of age in the 90s. You know, hip hop wasn't as, as popular as it was today, but in New York City, it was it was definitely a big deal. It was yeah. uh, peak uh, Nas and uh, Notorious B.I.G. time. Yeah, absolutely. For me, even like slightly before that, 
you know, De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest were huge and like really just blew my mind the first time I listened to them. I was maybe like 12 or 13. My older brother, he was a couple years older than me. So, you know, he was into a lot of hip hop and I was really curious about it. And he had a friend named um, Adrian who was just really cool. He like skateboarded, he was into hip hop. And I remember he had this uh, cassette tape of De La Soul Balloon Mind State. And I was like, wow, like I, I, I want to know more about this. It's, it's so interesting. So uh, that's, that's like one really milestone album and group for me. And then I got into Tribe Called Quest and um, that, that whole world was just really inspiring. So would you say that um, rap was uh, your main influence uh, in music-wise uh, while growing up? I think it was a major influence for sure. I think, you know, the great thing about New York and growing up was that you just have so many different in, like inspiring things and, and cultures and it's such a melting pot and so I was very much a chameleon in, in a way in the beginning when I was just like so interested by all these different genres and scenes and groups so like I said you know my friends who were into jazz I would go to jazz clubs with them and then I had friends that were really into hip-hop so we'd, we'd go to a lot of hip-hop shows and, and then there was this like this jungle rave scene for a moment that was um, I dabbled in, right? So very interesting coming from London. I didn't expect New York to have a jungle rave scene in those years. It, it did, yeah, no, it totally did, and it was it, it was it was super interesting. And and that's also like I got into DJing when I was around 15. Um, a lot of my friends were getting into graffiti and DJing and in, in clubs and venues and bars. Yeah, so that that that, that was also like a, another world. But I never really just wanted to limit myself to like, oh, I'm just into into hip hop. It was always just like eclectic eclectic. Exactly. I think that's like the beauty of, of New York and growing up. It's like just all different types of people together and there's just this, this mix of, of influences and cultures and that, that's what made, makes it so interesting. The melting pot. So we discussed briefly about music and we need to touch your visual upbringing. You said that your very first favorite artist was your dad, who is a painter. And who else? I mean, what kind of stuff were you into in terms of artists slash comics, cartoons, movies, or photography, whatever, both as a teenager and then afterwards as a college student? I definitely had like a comic book phase When I was really young, Marvel comics were definitely a thing. And then with my father, I think that he really put me on to just a lot of, of historical like artists, Renaissance artists, Da Vinci, Peter Paul Rubens, a lot of the more Renaissance and Baroque artists. He had this library in our house, just, just this massive library, it was sort of almost the centerpiece of the house with, you know, tons just filled with all art books, you know, really just like surrounded by art um, and really soaking all that in. So I had the whole historical art stuff that was really ingrained in me. I really was into Dolly for a minute, the surrealist, really liked a lot of a lot of the surrealist artists. And then when I got into college, a lot of the more like psychedelic artists of, of the 70s were hugely influential to me and, and still are. I can yeah. see that they still are because of um, the covers of these uh, high tide sound system playlists. Uh, 
some of them are really inspired by that world. I saw that you studied at UCLA. Yeah, that's correct. So I, I went to UCLA for painting. I, I really always thought I was just going to be a painter. I really didn't think of, about anything else career-wise. My dad was just a really big role model, and um, I'd been drawing and painting since I could remember. And it wasn't until I actually went to school where I started exploring different mediums. I felt like I needed a break almost from painting and so I dabbled in photography. I took some film classes there, uh, some printmaking, some silk screening classes, also observing what the, the graphic designers were doing who, you know, shared a, the art building with us. Um, and that's what really like first piqued my interest in design, but I didn't actually get into design until after I graduated. So I didn't have any formal training in graphic design specifically, but it was always like this interesting thing from afar that I was observing and sort of like, oh, that, that that's an interesting medium to create art. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. So you moved back to the city and you landed a job as a designer, I assume, at Sony Records. Yes, yes. And before that, when I was trying to break into the design industry, I was doing illustration right out of college for some magazines. Frank 151 was, was the main one that I was doing illustration work for. And I was looking to get more into graphic design and learn more about it. And I befriended the creative director there. His name was Callan Yan. And he became sort of a mentor to me. He really taught me a lot about graphic design and the fundamentals and uh, the principles behind it. And in turn, uh, we started working together on the side. And I would do illustration work uh, for, his, for his clients and he would in turn teach me a little bit about graphic design, teach me the program. So he was really like my mentor and 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 really gave me all the, the, the education about, about graphic design um, that I needed. And you turned into a full-time graphic designer slash illustrator afterwards. Exactly, yeah. So Sony Music uh, was the first job that I got. I, I think that they probably like the fact that I didn't come from a, a, a typical graphic design background. I think that helped me, um, that I came from more of a fine arts background. And then I was there for a year and then I moved on to Atlantic Records, did two years there before I, I went on to, to start High Tide. I felt like I had a lot to offer and I wanted to work more closely with the clients. Have you had many music-related clients since you started the High Tide in 2008? Yeah, I think it's something that I, we projects that we, we've always had throughout the years, particularly uh, with Big Crown Records. So my close friend, uh, Leon Michaels, he's a co-founder of a record label, Big Crown Records, and they make really interesting music. And uh, we've part we've collaborated with them on a lot of a number of their projects. Lee Fields is one of their artists um, that we've done a lot of album artwork. We've we've done a lot of album artwork with them and, and still do. And it's been a nice outlet and really like great creative exercise to and muscle to to work on in addition to all the client work that we do it's a lot more open and um can sort of less restrictions and parameters yes also i read an interview in which you said that since you were a teenager you would scrupulously study and dissect 
collect the album art and liner notes while listening to the music. You must have felt a proper need to kick off this side project, High Tide Sound System. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the project came about because making mixtapes and mixtape culture was really big growing up you know whether it was making mixtapes for friends on cassettes or buying mixtapes from record shops that was like a huge part of my upbringing and something that I really missed once like streaming and the iPod came along I felt like it was something that you know if you create a mixtape for someone you're like you're really sh you're, you're sort of like opening your heart to them you're showing them a side of your personality your musical taste you know it's like it's impressing them it's putting them on to some something it's showing them your your curated taste right you are indeed in fact um, in the past weeks i've been listening to all the high tide sound systems they are i reckon 37 overall mm -hmm. and i felt like i was uh, vibing to your waves so yes it's very personal when you create a mixtape a compilation a playlist in this case you are like opening up your musical world to the audience and just saying, look, that's what I like. You might like it as well. And in fact, I loved it. So yeah, I agree. The, yeah, the, no, that's that's great to hear. And that's that's totally the intention. Yeah, so just, it, it felt like a nostalgic thing for me and something that I missed. I even remember making a mixtape and making artwork to go along with it and having a whole theme and giving it, you know, to, to friends and also like a girl that I want to impress and that sort of like feeling. And once Spotify and, and, and Apple Music came along, that became less relevant, the idea of a mixtape. So I, I missed that. And um, so that was really the impetus for, for creating this project. And then I thought in addition to the music side, being able to tap into up and coming talent, people that we found inspiring and, and interesting. And we wanted to, you know, uh, shine a light on and bring in what they were doing in, and, and sort of combining those two things. You apply the core philosophy of a high tide to this project as well, because you stress the importance of uh, creating connections with the best talents. And uh, it feels like you are doing this with this uh, very project. I, I think the beauty of it is like we're showcasing talent from around the world and across so many different cultures, right? So we have artists like from Sweden, we have artists from Japan, from Atlanta, from Jamaica, and it's artists that are inspiring to us and, and grab us in a way and are doing something different. How do you find these uh, talents? It's pretty organic. It, it comes in a, in a lot of different ways sometimes. It's something that me or an employee will come across online or on, on Instagram and, you know, it's, it's work that, that resonates with us. Sometimes uh, it comes from people emailing us or sharing their work and it, it's really instinctual in terms of like who feels like like a like a good fit. Yeah, I think it, it comes from, from, from a variety of ways and whatever whatever feels organic and and true and an artist that that is doing something interesting and different contributing something meaningful is usually a, a good fit and how do you manage to bring them on board i mean it's not a classic commission from an agency the brief is like is pretty open-ended deliberately i i think the intention is to keep it really pure in terms of what they want to express creatively so 
all I ask for them is to listen to the, the mixtape in its entirety and create whatever inspires them from listening to the mix. It's almost the opposite of, of like a, a client brief where you have stakeholders and you have founders and there's a lot of parameters. And in this case, it's really just to keep their creativity pure and, and whatever inspires them uh, to, to just create. Yeah. They must be very excited to work with all this creative freedom. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. And in terms of like the people creating the mixtape, that's also a side of it too. I keep that open-ended and it's, it's also like either a, a client or a, um, you know, someone who I feel has, has good musical taste. I just ask them to limit it to 10 tracks and they can create a mixtape, whatever kind of mixtape they feel like. So sometimes they gravitate towards a theme like all reggae or all female musicians. And then I pair them with a creative And I try not, I, I just try to keep it interesting. Like I try not to keep it too rigid or uh, too curated. So what's the key to keep it so interesting? Because the first time I found out about a high tide sound system, it really like blew my mind because I fell in love with all the covers and all the mixtapes. What's the key ingredient? What's your secret for keeping it fresh and so interesting? Yeah, I think it's just about like not overthinking it, not like over analyzing it, just keeping the brief simple and really letting both the, the playlist maker and uh, the artist do their thing, not micromanaging and, and just keeping it open, you know? Go to the Instagram page of uh, High Tide New York to check out all these uh, playlist covers. We will share them, some of them, a selection on our Instagram page as well, Synesthesia underscore podcast, follow us. Also, I wanted to talk about the fact that some of these uh, covers have been uh, elevated to prints, prints that you are selling on your website and whose proceeds directly benefit the artist and the laundromat project. Why did you choose this specific charity? Yeah, so uh, the laundromat project is a Brooklyn-based charity organization uh, that supports artists and art programs for people of color. And the idea came about around like everything that was going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. And we knew we wanted to do something to to support it in a meaningful way and and really just go beyond um, and, and dig a little bit deeper. So my friend Richard, who I've known growing up and is a lot more tapped into the Black Lives Matter movement. And I, I went to him, I asked him like, what are some organizations that, that we can support that maybe aren't as well funded as the bigger nonprofits um, like the NAACP and so, he put me on to the laundromat project and i think it was just felt really in line um supporting the arts specifically for people of color and so that's why we chose them and so 50 of all the proceeds go to them and then 50 of proceeds go to the artists themselves i think it's a great way to make another step with this project yeah thank you yeah it, it came about to when we were in our office and a lot of our employees were mentioning that we should really like create prints of a lot of this artwork because it was it was so beautiful and so that's that's sort of how the idea started and then we we thought like why not make it available for people who who want the prints 
what's next for um, this uh, side project, the High Tide Sound System? Are you considering a real-life uh, event in New York, uh, Los Angeles, uh, or other cities? Of course, uh, when uh, the pandemic is over. Or any other things, uh, ideas uh, you are uh, working on that can expand these uh, mixtapes uh, into a broader vision? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I haven't really given up that much thought, but I, I think that's a great idea. Um, and like one thing we've been talking about is when we do eventually get a new office space, instead of just getting a, like, a, like a typical traditional office and studio, um, to potentially have a, a ground floor commercial space um, and making like turning the front of the space into a shop where we sell records and um, you know you can you can get a cup of coffee um, and, and sort of sell apparel and that sort of stuff and then the back of house is the design studio itself which is really exciting concept in my mind and something that like. I've always been interested in doing, but never thought was possible. And um, I think, you know, the possibilities there around maybe creating a residency and having like a like a, a DJ night would make a lot of sense and be super exciting. Yes, I mean, it sounds great. It sounds really, really exciting. You should definitely make some room for a recording studio, like a radio studio, where um, your uh, music selectors can uh, play and maybe they can record these mixtapes live and at night opening the studio to people. I like this idea of the agency off the street that people can visit and can participate in like sharing idea or just purchasing from your shop or attending a gig or just dancing to a DJ set. So best of luck with the future of a high tide sound system. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely promising. So we talked about this um, project and now we have to introduce our uh, columns. And uh, they are still relevant to the topic uh, because the first one is uh, Word on the Street. Word on the Street. For Word on the Street, I would love you to tell us if there are any specific visual artists or musicians you would like to collaborate with. Yeah, so... Robert Beatty is an artist that I've appreciated for a while that I, I would love uh, for him to do a, a playlist cover. Um, Don't tell I, me. Don't tell are me. You, are you familiar? <laughs> I mean, I love his work. What, what he did for the new one, Otrix Point Never album, is uh, unbelievable. All the animations, all the visuals, uh, and the designs uh, are just yeah. uh, outstanding. Absolutely. Yeah, I've like, I've appreciated his work from afar from, from, for a long time. And I've seen his work also like really grow and change and evolve. That's someone that I would love, I would love to do, have, have them do a playlist cover. Same, he's in my list. I would love to do an episode to talk about his work for that album we just mentioned. Let's see. Yeah. So, good luck to both of us. <laughs> Absolutely. 
how about a musician, a contemporary musician you would involve, you would ask to make a mixtape for a high-tech sound system? Oh, that's a great question. Someone local, possibly, like a new Brooklyn sensation or something like that. That's a really good question. The majority of the music I listen to is old. You know, it's like probably mainly 60s and 70s stuff, but I think as far as contemporary artists, I'm a huge fan of Madlib. I think having him do a mix would be amazing. So why don't you contact him? That's a great question. I think I, think I should. We are, we are using this episode just as a source of inspiration. So uh, Robert Beery and um, Madlib are your choices and we agree on both i mean i like them both a lot the next column private collection private collection we need to go back in time because i would love to know about a record sleeve or music video that changed your life overnight you mentioned de la soul at the beginning of the interview yeah i i think i think the de la soul balloon mind state was like a big milestone for me because like I mentioned, I, it was like, I think it was the first uh, cassette I ever purchased. Um, and, and for you know, it just sticks out for me um, as being like a really big milestone in my, in my musical development. Um, and also the album itself looked and, and sounded so different than any other uh, hip hop album that I'd ever heard and really opened me up to, to a new world. And knowing that because a lot of the rap uh that i was familiar with from my brother at the time uh wu-tang clan um and snoop doggy dog was great but it was it was definitely you know very sort of aggressive and knowing that hip-hop could be more avant-garde and artsy and deep and abstract uh was like really mind-blowing for me um and really started uh, me digging into that type of, of hip-hop. Um, with a, so, with yeah. its roots as well, so funk and soul. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on the album there's like, you know, uh, a five-minute, just purely instrumental song uh, with like a saxophone solo by uh, one of the members of the, of the JBs, and there's the Japanese rap group on the album. Um, so just like really blew my mind a, a around like how eclectic and a rap album could, could be and really felt super ahead of its time and, and took me a long time to, to decipher and, and really wrap my head around. But as like a, a 12 year old kid, it was, it was definitely like very, very inspiring and influential. Yeah, the coming of age uh, album. Absolutely. Great. So private collection, uh, your answer once again was uh, really, really interesting, needless to say. We have uh, the last uh, two, three minutes uh, and we have enough time to introduce our very, 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 very last column, which is called uh, Flavors. Flavors. And we have uh, to go back to 2020 again. I know it's hard, especially for the local spot uh, right now, these days. But yes, uh, why don't you recommend us uh, an Instagram page that you love 
and uh, a local spot slash venue that you can hardly wait to visit again once uh, we will be able to go back to the city. Sure, absolutely. So as far as Instagram, I, I don't go on Instagram all that much, but I would, I, I would definitely, uh, for people that don't, aren't familiar, um, Frico Rico is an amazing illustrator and artist. Um, he actually did uh, volume six of High Tide Sound System and his work is just is hilarious it's 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 also you know not for the faint of heart it's a little salacious it's a little spicy but i would definitely um i get a lot of entertainment looking at his artwork so i would recommend uh checking out frico rico and last week i loved his tributes to mf doom rest in peace amazing yeah no i'm 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 very, that's great that you're familiar with him because I think a lot of people should be familiar with him. And he reminds me, I'm not sure Enrico if you're familiar, but Wilfred Lemonius is a uh, illustrator um, who, who's, who's no longer living, but he created a, a, a lot of dance hall and reggae covers that I, I very much admire and ha have like loved. And he almost reminds me of like a modern day version of him so if you don't know him, I would also check out Wilfred Lamonius. I don't think I don't know how much he's on Instagram, but his I, record covers are amazing. I don't know him, but one of the reasons why I'm doing synesthesia is also to learn from you guys. So thank you for sharing this tip. I'm pretty sure that since our taste is quite similar, similar, I'm gonna love his work as well. Absolutely. How about a local spot in Brooklyn, close to the agency, maybe, nearby? So, I'll recommend two local spots, and they're not in Brooklyn, but they're in Manhattan, and it's more like, it's more, you know, around the area where I grew up, but I would say A1 Records is an amazing record uh, shop, and they're one of the few that are, are, are still existent from when I grew up. And so I would definitely check them out. And uh, they have an amazing selection. They have funk and soul and disco and amazing hip hop. So I would, I would definitely want to check them out. Uh, and then in terms of coffee shops, I love coffee. I would go to Abrazzo, which is in, in the East Village, um, which is nearby. And I would, I would definitely recommend going there. They're probably like my favorite coffee shop in the city. Did you grow up in the East Village? Because I didn't ask at the beginning. So I, I, was, I was born in Soho. So I grew up partially in Soho and then partially uh, by Union Square. I can't believe there are people who were born in Soho. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's definitely... You know, just going back to my father and him being a big part of the art scene of the, the 70s and 80s, um, that was definitely like where all the artists were living in the Soho lofts. So yeah. they were was, was the reason. He lived the um, golden uh, age of uh, New York. Absolutely. Lucky uh, him. Lucky him. Lucky him. Lucky me. 
The Factory, The Factory, Velvet Underground, Punk, Ramones, New York yeah. thriving in the 70s. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, I wish he told me more, but, uh, you know, he, he, he had amazing stories and, you know, the, just saying like casually that he saw James Brown perform in Apollo in the 70s was just like amazing to me, just hearing that kind of stuff. Off topic, but still relevant. Is uh, now, besides the pandemic, is New York City still uh, thriving? Yeah, I, 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 th I feel that way. It, it's, it's also hard to answer because, you know, I haven't been in the city for so long and I miss it a lot. Um, but I feel like it'll always be, it'll always be that. And I, I, I think that the energy is always going to be there. Um, so I have, and I have no doubt that it'll ever go away. That's great to hear, very comforting. It gives us a hope for the future. Absolutely. So, Danny, it's been uh, my pleasure to have this conversation about uh, one of my favorite uh, playlist series uh, on Spotify, High Tide Sound System. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's been really great. Keep up the good work and uh, please do surprise us in the future with the next steps of this uh, project, maybe making something in real life as we discussed. Absolutely, definitely. Thanks a lot once again. Thank you, Enrico. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast.